Awesome. Well, I have the privilege of getting to share God's word with you this morning, so let's jump in this morning. I want to bring you a message called Light in Darkness. Light in Darkness. If you have your Bible, why don't you meet me in the very first chapter of Scripture in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1. Now, I have to be honest with you this morning and tell you that as a pastor preacher, anytime you tell the congregation to turn to Genesis chapter 1, it seems so elementary and foundational, but it's amazing how God's word just jumps out to you the more that you read it, and God reveals more of himself through scripture. And today I want to jump into the very first chapter in all of the Bible, and I want to read some things to you, but more than just read, I want to dive in, and hopefully in this journey today, this quest today, we can discover not just more about what God has done for us, but discover more of who God is to us. Amen? That's why we're here. We want to grow closer to God and know more of him in our lives. So this morning, I want to invite you right now to join me in Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to start reading to you in verse 1, okay? It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. Everybody say light. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, not it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Father, I pray that as we're here today, gathered in your name and your house, we're your people. And I pray that you would speak to us through your word. God, we just submit our lives to you this morning. We submit our will to you, our hearts to you. We give our minds to you right now in Jesus' name. We pray that you would speak to us, that you would draw us closer to you. And God, in the time that we have here today, I pray that you would just illuminate our lives, our paths, our understanding, so that we may be made into the image of Christ during the time that we have. We give you this time. This is not our time. This is your time. So come and speak to us. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. I think one of the coolest blessings about being a parent while being a pastor is that you never run out of illustrational material. And all of you know, because for those of you who are regulars here at the bridge, you've heard me speak before, you know I love to use illustrations that involve my kids. And I don't want to, you know, say things that are going to embarrass them, but there's all kinds of material that comes along with being a parent. And, you know, it's interesting, I think that this illustration will make sense to everybody, because even if you don't have kids, if you've yet to have kids, or you're not going to have kids, that's okay, because we've all been kids at one point or another, our routine in our home at night is that when we take our kids to their room and put them in their bed, as we put them in their bed, we tuck them in nice and cozy and comfy so to create a nice environment where they can get sleep and rest. And when we tuck them in, we reach down, we kneel down, we pray with them. I'm a pretty affectionate dad. I like to love on my kids, give them hugs and kisses. We will pray with our kids before bed, sometimes maybe sing a song or read a story, something like that. But by the time we get to the end of that process, we've done our very best to create an environment that is conducive for rest so they know that they can go to sleep. And the last thing we will say is, good night, I love you, now go to sleep. And right before we step out the door, what do we do? We reach over and we turn off the lights. Now, you guys know as parents how this goes. That is the very moment. As soon as I take that first step out of that door where my parental responsibilities for the day have concluded. 
And moms, you probably know it even better than dads. This is the moment at which you might have already sent your husband to do this because you wrapped this thing up a long time ago, okay? You were done a while ago, right? But this is the moment. I've taken that first step out the door. They need to be going to sleep like momentarily because I'm done. And you head off to the kitchen or to the living room or maybe off to your bedroom, whatever that routine looks like for you. And it's in that moment that right as you've sat down on the couch and turned on the TV to get comfortable and to rest, suddenly this cute little face peers around the corner from the steps with a fearful look in their eyes. And we all know how this goes, parents, because again, even if you're not a parent, you'll understand this because you've been a kid at some point. You know what it's like when your child reaches and looks around the corner and has that sad, scared look on their face, and you say, well, what's wrong? And they say, I'm afraid or I'm scared. And your your response to them is, what are you afraid of? Why are you afraid? Because as parents, we know, again, we've created this environment that's comfortable and conducive for rest. There should be no fear within this environment. But for some reason, they're afraid. And what is it that they're afraid of? Is it because there's somebody in their room that's going to harm them? No. Is there something in the room that's going to harm them? No. We know that quite simply, they're just afraid of the dark. And what's interesting about this is as parents, we've lived this ourselves, so we have a certain amount of patience with our kids when this happens, right? So I don't know about you. What I tend to do, and I've done this with my kids in the past, I remember when my parents did this with me in the past, if my kids come downstairs and tell me that they are afraid, and I know the thing that they are afraid of is the dark, I will go upstairs, walk in with them, and I will turn on the light. Why? Because I need to illuminate their surroundings so that they can see through the thing that they are afraid of. And what we'll do is we'll say, okay, I turn on the light and I'm telling you, look around right now. Everything's okay. Look under the bed. Everything's okay. Look in the closet. Everything's okay. Look behind the door. Everything's okay because, again, now they can see there's no one there to harm them. There's nothing there that's going to harm them. The thing that they are simply afraid of is the unknown, and the darkness represents that which we don't know, which we cannot see, which we cannot see through, which we're unable to imagine what is inside. So suddenly our imagination runs wild, and fear so easily overtakes us. What's interesting about this is that when you read the first five verses of the Bible, the first five verses of Genesis, what we see is that God created the heavens and the earth. Now, quick side note right here, because people want to know, you know, when it comes to the creation narrative and how long did it take God to create the earth, how old is the earth really? A lot of, you know, creation scientists like to debate, when did God really create the earth? Was the beginning way before this, and then the first day was when he spoke light into existence? I don't know, and quite frankly, it doesn't really make a big difference to me. I just trust that God knew what he was doing when he did what he did. But the point is this. In the first five verses of the Bible, we see that before God ever spoke light, there was darkness, and God was not uncomfortable with it. Now, we as Christians, if you are a New Testament Bible-believing, Jesus-following Christian, then we know and understand that later on in Scripture, darkness can represent sin or evil. But in this context, humanity has not been created. In fact, it was two more chapters before Adam and Eve come into the story. And it's not even until then that the serpent enters and tempts Eve, who then takes the fruit to Adam. Sin enters into the picture, and the fall of man 
takes place. So what I'm trying to say to you here is in this moment, when the Bible says that darkness hovered over the deep sea, what this is literally saying, that word darkness, the literal meaning of it right there is obscurity or the unknown. Darkness simply represented the unknown. Now, before we go forward, I, I don't want to give you a history lesson, or I don't want to go back and just go over the creation narrative. The reason we are here this morning is not to just talk about what God did, but discover who God is. And the creation narrative does so much more than just tell us about all the things that God did. It specifically reveals to us who God is. And the first principle that I want to share to you this morning is that when Scripture says that darkness hovered over the earth or over the deep waters and it represented obscurity and God was not uncomfortable with it, I want to say to you this morning that no matter what you are facing in your life, no matter what we are facing in our world, no matter how many questions you might have, no matter how uncertain you may feel about life or about the future, no matter how obscure things might feel in the day and age in which we live, our God is not afraid of darkness and he is Lord over the obscure. He is Lord over the mystery. He is Lord over the unknown. He is Lord over those things which make us feel insecure. Why? Because God's not uncomfortable with the things that scare us. Come on. And I want to point this out to you this morning because when God looked at his creation, he saw through it, but before we could come into the scene, he spoke light into it to make sure that we would be able to see through it when we got here. And it's interesting that God was not afraid of darkness before he spoke light into existence. Now that right there reveals the character and the nature of God. God is Lord over the obscure, the uncertain, and then the unknown. And we're going to come back to this a little bit later, but I want to say this to you one more time. If you walked into this place and the number one thing that is haunting you, surrounding you, or putting fear into your mind is that sense of uncertainty or the unknown or obscurity, I want to encourage you to lay that at the feet of Jesus today because God is not insecure about the things that scare us. Now, with all of that said, I want to go a little bit deeper into this first chapter, and I want to show you something else that's really cool. Again, because we don't want to just talk about what God has done. We want to know who God is. Fast forward with me real quick to verse number 14 of Genesis 1. What we just read is day one of the creation narrative, okay? Look at what happens next and follow along and see if you can pick up on one of the greatest theological mysteries in all of the Bible. Watch this. Verse 14 says, Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. There's a hint about what's happening. He made the stars also. Verse 17. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Or in other words, that is the conclusion of the fourth day. Now I just got to ask you real quick. Does anybody see what's just happened right now? Let me refresh you really quick. Verses 1 through 5, Scripture tells us that God says, let there be light, and light appears. But it's not until verses 14 through 19 that God creates the greater light to rule the day, something that we call the 
sun, and the lesser light to rule the night, something that we call the moon. In other words, when God said, let there be light and light appeared, light appeared before there was ever sun, moon, or stars. Figure that out. So how is it exactly that there could be light if God had yet to create the sun, the moon, or the stars? Can I give you the answer this morning? You see, our God is not just the one who creates light. God is not just the one who speaks light into existence, but God himself is light. God is the one who illuminates our very existence. God reveals that which we are unable to see. God is order in our chaos. God is peace in our turmoil. God is clarity in our confusion. And like the Apostle John said later on in the New Testament in 1 John 1 and verse 5, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness. I bet you've never heard a preacher get so excited about Genesis chapter 1. <laughs> but the reason why I get fired up about this is because the more I read this, the more that I understand that this is given to us not just to tell us about what God did, it's given to us to reveal who God is. Before there was light, God was not afraid of the darkness, and when God spoke light into existence, it didn't come because of his creation, it came from him because God himself is light. I love this concept and I love this idea. Now, like I said, this is before humanity and sin and the fall of mankind have come into the picture. So in this passage of scripture, darkness simply represents obscurity and God rules over obscurity. But by the time you fast forward through scripture and get through the Old Testament, you know, in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9, it talks about those who walk in darkness have seen a great light. And it's simply talking as a prophetic, as a prophecy about Jesus coming to the earth, being the great light that would light up our life and revealing God to us. And by the time you get to the New Testament, there is sin in the picture and the fall of man has already happened. And what's interesting about this is that the apostle John, who walked with Jesus, goes on and he writes his gospel. And when he begins his gospel, before he tells us anything about what Jesus did, he first starts talking to us about who Jesus is. Now watch, we read the first five verses of Genesis 1. I want to read you the first five verses of John chapter 1, okay? This is what it says, John 1 verse 1. You probably know it very well. In the beginning was the Word. Everybody say Word. word. Notice, capital W, Word, referring to Jesus in his divinity. That's a proper noun. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everybody say Word. Sorry, I just had to do that. <laughs> now, why does John refer to Jesus as the Word? Now, many of you know this pretty well, but it's important to say this. John is drawing parallels to the Genesis 1 passage. How did God speak the world into existence? Through the words of his mouth. What John is saying right here is in the beginning when God spoke the world into existence, Jesus was the Word that he spoke. Jesus was there at the beginning with God. So immediately he identifies Jesus as God. Before he talks about all the great things that Jesus did, or even the purpose for which Jesus came, he quickly identifies Jesus as God and identifies him and draws that parallel back to Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through capital H, him, and without 
him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. I love this. This is where it gets good. In him was life, and the life was the light. Everybody say light. Light. Was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In other words, in other translations it says, the darkness did not overtake the light. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now this is where John the Apostle starts writing about John the Baptist, the forerunner, the prophet who would come before Jesus. His name was John, and this man came to be a witness, to bear witness of the light, capital L, the light referring to Jesus, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was not the capital L light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, referring to Jesus. And finally, verse 9, that was the true light which gives lowercase l light to every man coming into the world. And I want to show this to you again very quickly to draw these parallels and see what's happening here. Because John is now taking these writings from Genesis 1, and before he talks about all the great things Jesus did, he identifies Jesus as God. And I love that picture because John the Apostle walked and talked and lived with Jesus. He knew Jesus closely and intimately. He walked with him. And so when he was writing this, he had in his mind and in his heart all of those things which identified the very character and nature of God in the beginning, the word that was with God, Jesus there in the beginning, but Jesus also being a part of the Godhead. And the reason why I wanted to take so much time this morning to unfold all of this and set a path for where we're going today is because it's so important that we understand that Jesus is the one who wants to bring light and purpose and meaning and direction to our lives. Now, John wrote that in his gospel there, but I want to take you to Matthew chapter 16 right now, okay? One of the other close friends of Jesus, another one of his disciples, was this man that we know as Peter, or Simon Peter, from Scripture. Peter was the guy who was always so quick to put his foot in his mouth when Jesus asked him a question. Peter was always the one who would speak up. He had so much passion. He loved Jesus so much, and he was passionate about God's call for his life, but sometimes got himself into trouble. But I love this passage of Scripture because it reveals a day in which Peter got this true revelation of who Jesus really was. And this is where I want to spend a few minutes in talking about the significance of what God wants to do in our lives by shining light into our darkness. Look at Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Verse 14 says, So they said, Some say John the Baptist. Two chapters earlier, John the Baptist has died. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And this is really important here because when Jesus starts this conversation, it can seem like Jesus is asking a very passive question. What is everybody else saying about me? And he's talking to these people, these guys that he knows best. But pretty soon Jesus moves past the passive and he asks a very personal question. He says, okay, that might be what everybody else is saying, but let me ask you the most important question of them all. Who do you say that I am? And the reason why I wanted to talk about Jesus as God going back to Genesis 1 and spoken about again in John chapter 1 is because when we get to this passage of Scripture in Matthew, it brings us face to face with the biggest question that every single one of us will have to answer in our lives. Who do you say that Jesus is? 
Because for a lot of us, when we think about faith, we think of religion. When we think about Christianity, we think about rules and regulations. And Jesus asked the disciples this question to hear what it is that everybody else was saying about him. But pretty soon he moved, from the, uh, moved across the passive and asked the personal and says, okay, all of that's good, but here's what's most important. Who do you say that I am? And I just want to ask you personally this morning, who do you say that Jesus is? John said that Jesus was in the beginning, he was the word, but not just the word. He's the light of man that gives light to our lives. He identified him as God. And again, without even talking about all the things that he did, he quickly identified that he is God because if he isn't God, then everything else that he did doesn't matter. And I'm asking you this question today because it's the most important question that all of us will ever answer in our lives. And pretty soon what we see is that Peter, who's walked and talked and lived with Jesus reveals that revelation that's taken place in his heart and in his mind. And look what he says next in verse 16. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now watch this, verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, which Petros in the Greek, which means rock. And on this rock I will build my church. Everybody say church. church. And the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. Now, if you are a Bible-believing Christian, you've been in church for a while, you say, well, bless God, I'm a Christian, and I go to church, I'm a part of the church, and Jesus is going to build his church, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. But there's a lot that's happening because this is the very first time that Jesus uses the word church in the Gospels. And that word church, if you know it, it's ecclesia. It's a Greek word that literally means to be called out from something and be called into something else. If you read further into the way this is translated, it's actually the assembly or the assembling of those who are called out. So in other words, we are called from many places, but into this one thing, which is the body of Christ. Now, I love this because that story right there in Matthew chapter 16 tells us about the personal, not the passive, the personal revelation that Peter got from listening to Jesus, walking and talking and living with Jesus. And when he said to him, Peter, on you, I'm going to build my church, that was this new idea, this new concept. They might have had an idea of what that word meant in their history, but suddenly Jesus was going to do this new thing, and he was going to do it in and through Peter. I'm going to call you out and into something else and something new. And for a lot of us, we know that the church is something that we go to when we are Christians, but the question is, what exactly is the church? And that's a whole other lesson for another day. But if we look at the actual meaning of that word church or ecclesia, to be called out, it begs the question, if we are called out of something, what are we called out of? And if we are called into something else, what are we being called into? And it was Peter who gave us probably the best explanation of what this means because when you look later on in Peter's epistles, this is what he writes in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says in verse 9, but you are a chosen generation. You've been chosen by God. If you call yourself a Christian, God has chosen you to follow him. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, his own special people that you may Proclaim the praises of him who called you out of what? Darkness and into what? His marvelous light. 
I want to say to every single person that's in the house today, if you call yourself a Christian, God has called you out of darkness and he has called him, called you into his light, or more specifically, he's called you closer to himself. And I want to say this to everybody that's here today that maybe has never made a profession of faith in Jesus. If you feel like you're walking around in obscurity, if you feel like your life is clouded and shrouded by the unknown and that which you can't see, that which you can't predict, that which you might even be fearful of, I want to tell you today that God wants to call you out of that darkness and he wants to place you in his marvelous light. But he doesn't want to just cast light into your life. He doesn't want to just shine light into your life. He doesn't want to just speak light into your life. He wants to be the light of your life and draw you closer to him. And when we understand that, we get the deeper revelation of what Peter meant when he wrote those words. Because I put myself in Peter's shoes and I think to myself, man, it was probably a significant day when Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, I see that you're a rock. Peter feeling all unstable in himself. Me? I'm a rock? You know how many stupid things I say every day, Jesus? You hear it all. He hasn't even denied Jesus three times when he's going to go to the cross. I mean, Peter was this loose cannon. He was this wild card. And Jesus looks at him and says, on you, I'm going to build my church. My, my what? You're going, to, you're going to call me out? You're going to call us out into something new? What am I walking out of and what am I walking into? I think Peter probably understood that day that Jesus was speaking significance over his life, but he probably had no idea everything that it meant. And by the time we get to this passage here in 1 Peter chapter 2, what we see is that this revelation is fully developed, and Peter understands that from that very day, Jesus was calling me no longer to walk in darkness. He was calling me no longer to walk in the unknown or in obscurity or uncertainty or insecurity. He was calling me to trust him and to walk with him, and he would light the way of my life, and he would be the one who brings purpose to my life. And I want to say to every single person that's in the house today, God has not called you out of darkness to leave you lost in obscurity. Let me say that one more time for people who have made a decision to follow Christ, but you're a little uncertain about where you stand right now. God has not called you out of darkness to leave you lost in obscurity. God has not called you out of darkness to leave you stuck in confusion. God has not called you out of darkness to leave you wandering in uncertainty. God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light to illuminate your very existence, to give you purpose for your living, to bring redemption to your brokenness, to bring assurance to your eternal soul. And guess what? He wants to bring you joy in the process. That's who our God is. And I know that in a crowd this size, and I know that with having this many people that come from so many different places and perspectives, there are people that walk in here today and you feel so strong in your walk with God and you're encouraged and you're reminded today that yes, God is with me and he's for me and he wants to light up my life. But there's going to be so many of us who are in this room today and it can feel like darkness is the thing that absolutely shrouds our lives, bringing the sense of uncertainty and maybe even fear. You know, I've had three groups of people in my heart today that I want to pray for, and I'll be honest with you, I'm going to be a little bit shorter today because we're going to have a fun day with baptisms and everything else, and I'm excited because I get to baptize my daughter today. <laughs> I want to say to you today that I've had a few, I've had three different groups of people in my heart leading up to this message because I feel like a lot of us as the people of God have allowed darkness to creep into our lives when God is wanting his light to shine a whole lot brighter. 
That's not a discouragement. In fact, I hope it encourages you when we conclude here in just a moment. And I told you a story earlier about my kids coming down the stairs and peeking their cute faces around the corner and saying, Dad, I'm scared. I'm afraid. What do we do? We, we go and we light up the room to show them that everything's okay, to show them that even though the darkness might make you feel obscure and uncertain, there's nothing to be afraid of here because all we have to do is shine some light into that darkness, which is what God wants to do. But more specifically, he wants to be the light of our lives. As I was putting this message together, I, saw, I thought of the simplest story from when I was growing up. And this story just feels so silly to me, but yet it just seemed to make the most sense. I remember when I was a kid, my brother and I would try to go play golf. And we would play the twilight, the evening rounds. And sometimes we would start so late in the day that we couldn't finish up the whole round before dark. And I grew up in Corona, and there was an old golf course on the other side of Corona in North Corona. It was called Mountain View Golf Course. We would go play there, and today it doesn't exist anymore. It's just been abandoned. It's just big, open, empty fields. And even then, when we were kids in the 90s, that sounds funny, doesn't it? <laughs> we would be in the golf cart, and before the light and the sun had gone down, we would be driving, and some of those holes, you would finish one hole, and you would leave the green and get to the next tee box, and there would be a, a tunnel that would go under the road there in the neighborhood. And everything looked beautiful on that golf course, but as soon as you get inside that tunnel, you would see all the writing inside the tunnel and the graffiti and the smashed glass and whatever remnants of whatever happened the night before laying inside that tunnel. And you would see it, and it would get your attention because you'd be like, whoa, what goes on in this place after dark? And I remember we would get a few holes in, and suddenly the sun's going down, and it's going down, and it's going down, and my brother and I just being teenagers, we weren't afraid of that tunnel in the daytime. But even as teenagers, the sun starts to go down, and it's dark, and we got to finish this hole. we got to get back to the clubhouse fast. And I remember one of the things that would scare us wasn't the fact that we were going to get back to the clubhouse after dark. It was the fact that we had to go through that tunnel after dark to get back. Because we knew what it looked like on the inside, and we were afraid of that tunnel when it was dark and not well lit. And I remember we would be going backwards on the cart path to get back to the clubhouse, and we would get to that tunnel, and we would just kind of look at each other and smile, because there was always that sense of uncertainty that awaited us when we pulled into the dark. And it was like the closer we got, the bigger the darkness and the darker the darkness. And all you could see at the end of that tunnel was this tiny little light. And it was like we would just hold on and floor it and put our foot on the gas to get through that tunnel as fast as we could. And it was as if we were looking at each other and saying, get as fast as you can to the light. Because we were afraid of the darkness. And I'm going to have the opportunity to share again next week. And I want to talk a little bit more specifically about how it is that God wants us to be the light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You're a city on a hill. We're going to talk about that next week, but I want to just take a moment to lay a foundation here and say to every single person, I think there are times in our life where we can feel like we are walking in, in darkness even though we call ourselves Christians. And what we tend to do is when we find ourselves in these dark moments and these dark situations, we say, hey, God, way over there, would you shine your light this way so that I can see where I'm at, so I can understand what's going on? Would you shine your light from on high, from far away, because I feel like I just can't see what's going on around me. And God is kind, and he's merciful, and he's gracious, and I believe that God wants to illuminate your life and my life. But the truth is, sometimes I think the answer that God wants to give back to us is, I'm able to shine my light as far away as you go. But let me tell you something, it will always be bright if you stay close to me. And I have felt in my heart all day long to speak this word of encouragement to some people here today. Maybe you feel like even in your Christian walk, things have gotten dark. 
God is able to shine his light from a distance and point out what's going on around you so that you have clarity and you're not wondering in obscurity. But there comes a point in our Christian walk where God says, hey, why don't you come back a little bit closer? Because the light's a whole lot brighter the closer you get to me. And I know this might sound like a really silly observation and illustration, but I want to say to some people here today, it's almost like what God is saying is, put your foot on the gas and run to the light as fast as you can. I can meet you where you're at, but as much as anything else, I'm calling you to live close to me. Why? Because I'm not just the one who creates light and speaks light and gives light. I'm God. I am light. And you'll never run out of light and run into darkness if you simply stay close to me. You know, closing this morning, I've been brief this morning for me. (laughs) Pastor said amen. (laughs) Thanks, Dad. But I really feel strongly in my heart this morning to pray for three groups of people. Because I feel like all of this relates to everything we've just talked about. Today, do you feel like your life is completely crowded or clouded with uncertainty? I mean, can I just get in the boat with you for a minute? Things are crazy right now. The world seems so uncertain. But maybe even in your own faith, in your life, in your job, in your family, it seems like your whole life is surrounded by uncertainty. And you know what? That has a way of putting fear into our minds and into our hearts. But like we established at the beginning of the message today, God's not afraid of the darkness. God's not afraid of uncertainty. And here's the thing. Just like in the first chapter of Genesis, even though we might currently feel like we're surrounded by darkness, it doesn't mean that we're lost. It just means that God hasn't yet shined his light on what's going on. I think what God is saying to some people today is if you'll come closer to me, you're going to find that I'm going to illuminate your life and I'm going to bring clarity to everything that's going on around you. It doesn't mean that we're always going to understand everything in time, but if it means that we stay close to the light, we'll have clarity on what our next steps are. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for people this morning who feel like you're walking in uncertainty, in obscurity. What about this? Do you feel like you're walking in complete darkness? Not just obscurity, But do you feel like, I feel like I'm so far away from God in this moment that it's like I'm just trying to shine a light on what's going around me and God's like not even a part of the equation. And you've made a decision to follow Christ at some point in your life, but maybe you feel like I've just gotten so far away from the light that I'm just wandering over here in darkness and obscurity and confusion. I want to pray for people today that feel like you are far from God, but yet you are still here today in faith because you know that you need him in your life. Or thirdly, maybe you're here today and at no point in the past have you ever made a decision to follow Christ. I'll tell you what, when you're not walking with God, it's easy to put your faith in so many things that are fleeting all around you. But then suddenly, by the power of his Holy Spirit, God just shows up in your life one day and says, I know you feel like you've been walking around in darkness, but if you'll just trust me, if you'll just put your faith in me, if you'll accept my sacrifice for your life, I'll redeem everything that's broken in your life, and I'll walk you into my absolutely marvelous light. And I want to invite people today to make a decision for Christ. I'm even surprised in myself that I've preached this short today, because for me, this is short. But I feel very purposeful in what we're doing today, and I want to pray for those three groups of people right now, and I just want to do this. If everybody would close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment. 
This is a little bit different, and I know we might have guests in the house today. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, put anybody on the spot. This is all just free will. But if you feel like your life, your faith, your family, your job, your future is shrouded in uncertainty, maybe even confusion, I want to ask you to stand to your feet right now, just in faith. Would you just stand to your feet and say, I need God to shine his light into my situation because I need clarity on what's going on in my life right now. Come on, it doesn't matter if it's a few or if it's a whole lot. Would you just stand to your feet? This is just a sign of faith right now saying, God, this is where I'm at, and I need you to show up. Awesome, all over the house. Let me tell you something. If you haven't stood up and you're worried about doing it, there's a lot of people that have gone before you. Don't be afraid to do so. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray that you would speak clarity. In this moment, God, we draw near to you, and we ask in Jesus' name that just as your word declares, when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. I pray that you, the light of life, would shine light and clarity into people's situations. For the questions that they have, for the obscurity that they might feel like they are walking in, for the darkness that might feel like is surrounding them, that you would step into this moment, step into this situation, and bring clarity. God, this is us drawing near to you first and declaring that our faith and our hope and our trust is in you. God, we put the mysteries of this world, we put the mysteries and the questions about this fallen world in your hands, and we ask in Jesus' name that you would be Lord of it because you are not afraid of those things which sometimes scare us. So we put these mysteries in your hand, God, and we ask in Jesus' name that you would ordain our steps, give us clarity, give us focus, give us faith and trust to see through that which we are not yet able to see. And I pray that we would have perseverance to make it to the other side, even if you're asking us to take an unknown step of faith right now. God, I pray for your peace as well in this moment, God, knowing that there are so many people who feel like they're just surrounded by uncertainty. I pray that your peace, which surpasses all understanding, peace that doesn't make sense, would guard them and protect them and lead them through this journey in Jesus' name. You can be seated. And the last prayer for those last two groups of people. Maybe you feel like you're far from God today, just with heads bowed and eyes closed for one more moment. Can I tell you something? There's never been a better time than now to return and re-engage in that relationship with God, the one who is the light and wants to bring light to our lives and clarity to the whole picture. There's never a bad time to return home and re-engage and re-invite God back into your life and back into the picture. Or maybe you've never done that before, and today saying, you know, I really believe in my heart that God exists, that he's real, but I've never known him. Maybe you like the idea of believing that God is with you and that he's for you and that he cares about your life. Can I tell you just how much God cares about you? God loves you so much that while you were lost in your sin, while I was lost in my sin, God sent his very best Jesus in exchange for my very worst, my sin, my fallen nature, my brokenness, that if I would put my faith and the sacrifice that Jesus made when he went to the cross, I could be redeemed, I could be forgiven, and I could be put back together. Scripture tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, God's perfection. But God in his love and his mercy loved us so much that he sent Jesus to redeem us if we would put our faith in him. I will tell you today, if you've never made a decision, if you've never given Jesus the opportunity to come into your life, he died for the opportunity to know you. All you have to do is say yes to what he did for you. Put your faith in him. Speak it right out loud and believe in your heart. And scripture says that you would experience salvation. I'm going to lead everybody in a prayer right now. If you want to recommit your life to Christ or you want to put your faith in him for the very first time, we're going to say a simple prayer. It's not about magic words. It's about a statement of faith that we mean in our heart when we receive Christ into our lives. 
Everybody in the house, I want to ask you to pray this prayer right after me. Repeat these words and say, Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that your death on the cross was full payment for my sin. So today, I put my hope in you, my faith in you, and my trust in you. I want to walk with you the light of my life from this day forward into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now here's what's cool about this. Right now in this room, there's a room full of people that at some point in their life have made a decision to follow Jesus. And today, if you recommitted your life or you made that decision for the very first time, you're in good company because this is the family of God right here. And we are glad that you made that decision today. Now, very quickly, we have a few more things that we need to accomplish before service is over, but I want to say if you made that decision to follow Christ or you recommitted your life to follow Christ today, we want to give you a simple tool to help you start. This isn't the end of the journey. It's just the beginning of a journey of a lifetime of walking with God. We have a gift we want to give you. It's a simple book called The Next Seven Days. If you're watching online, there are instructions on your screen of how it is that you can get the book. And uh, if you are here in the building... Just come to one of our prayer teams. We'll have prayer teams right down here on these side walls on the side of the auditorium. Just walk up to one of them. Let them know you made a decision to follow Christ. You want to get the book, and they'll give it to you. We don't need anything from you. We just want to celebrate that decision and help you start your walk with God. And finally, if you need to go quickly at the end of service when we're finished, just stop by the next seven days desk. It's right in the middle of the glass doors before you exit the building, and we'll give you that book. We don't need anything from you, but we're here to help you if you need someone to encourage you. Hey, thank you so much for making that decision. Like I said, we got a couple more things we want to accomplish before we're finished today, but let's just put our hands together one more time and welcome people into God's family. Hey, can we give Pastor Zach a great hand for that message this morning? Thank you, Zach. You know, we do have a lot of things planned today, so let me kind of walk through it quickly. Um, a few more ser- minutes in service. First of all, we're going to be having water baptism soon as we can get everything settled out there, as soon as service is over. So what I want to do right now, and please, everybody, listen closely to me. If you're going to be baptized today or if you need to go get a child out of the children's area to get them prepared to be baptized in water, I want to dismiss you right now to go ahead and slip out, get in place, and get prepared for that. You already received your instructions early this morning, so if you need to slip out, and hey, let's give these people a good hand as they're heading out this morning. Welcome to God's family. So as they're making their way out to get prepared for water baptism, we want to bless them. Here's here's the other thing. Uh, This is the time in our service where we worship God with our giving. Can anybody just slip up a hand or nod your head and say, God's been good to me? Has God been good to you? I mean, God, God is my source. He's been so good to me. And our time of giving is set aside for us to give back to God and just say, thank you, Father, for your blessings in my life. There's different ways you can give. 
the instructions are on the screen. If you're in the house today and you want to give a physical gift, there are envelopes in the back of the chairs. You can fill it out. As you leave the auditorium, there are giving stations on each side of those doors as you exit the auditorium. And just let me remind you today, God's promise to honor our giving. So worship him with your giving today. God will bless you for it. A couple more things are going to happen in service. We'll give you instructions. But before we go, we want to watch church news together. So let's watch church news today. Good morning and welcome to church. Whether you're here with us in the building or joining us online, we're so glad you chose to spend your morning with us. Here at The Bridge, we believe that God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. And we're passionate about helping you find community in this house. So let's check out church news together and see what's going on at The Bridge. Child dedications are happening next month on Sunday, November 21st, during our 1130 service. If you have small children that you would like to dedicate to the Lord, we invite you to participate. This is an important step where parents make a declaration here in a community of faith that we will raise our kids to know the Lord and know His ways until the day that they choose to follow Christ themselves. If you'd like to participate in this special day, just register your child or children by going to our website or the Bridge app. This will secure your spot in our service and give you more information about the significance of this day. We are excited to share this wonderful day with you and your family. Our fall term of Connect Groups have begun. Connect Groups are a fantastic way to grow in your faith and build relationships with others. There are a variety of groups based upon age and stage of life, study topics, and special interests. Ridge Women also have connect groups and have started a new series called Step Into Strength. It's not too late to join a group. All signups for connect groups and Bridge Women groups can be done through the Bridge app or website. Make your plans to find community here at the Bridge. Thanksgiving is less than four weeks away which means that the holiday season is right around the corner. Each year, we want to do our best to be a blessing to families who might need assistance during the holidays. And that's why our community care program exists. Today, we will begin our Thanksgiving dinner drive to purchase Thanksgiving groceries for families. If you would like to participate, just stop by the community care table in the foyer near Bridge Kids Check-In. There you can pick up a shopping list for Thanksgiving food items, including turkeys. Then, over the next two Sundays, you can bring those groceries to church and leave them near the rear bumper of your car, and our team will come around to collect them during the service. We hope you'll get involved and be a blessing this Thanksgiving to families here in the Valley. If you're new to the bridge, welcome. We'd love to meet you, so stop by the Info Center after service and say hi to our team. They're here to help you and answer any questions that you might have about the church. You can also stay up to date with church life by visiting our website, thebridgechurch.tv, or you can check out the Bridge app. If you don't have our church app, just simply go to the app store and search the Bridge Church Marietta to download. Now don't rush off because Sunday fun day and baptisms are about to kick off in just a few minutes. We hope you've been encouraged this morning and that you have an amazing week.
Yes, we are so excited about our Sunday fun day. We're going to have a great time outside. We've got food vendors out there, dessert vendors, and I have just been informed that they take all forms of payment, so just a little FYI for you. We've got all kinds of free things happening out there with a rock wall and all different inflatables for the kids. There'll be a candy giveaway and a scavenger hunt for all ages, kids and adults, and just by playing, you get entered into a draw to win a $100 Amazon card. All right, so all kinds of fun things happening. But first, the most exciting thing, we are having baptisms out in the lobby. When you exit the auditorium, you'll see the baptismal set up on the far left side in the corner over there. And we just encourage you to gather with us as we celebrate with those who are making that public declaration of their faith today. All right? So exciting to be able to celebrate with them. And hey, let's do something. Let's stand to our feet this morning and start the celebration right here as we conclude service with one more song.
baptisms. We'll see you next week.